0: Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon, and remember. You are loved. In this movie Ratatouille, as I was watching it with my son Jackson, this little rat Remy. Um, he was getting visions of the deceased chef called Gaston, if I'm pronouncing it right. If not, it's okay. And Gaston was uh, he had a five-star restaurant in Paris. He was famous. He was known as one of the greatest chefs. And he was giving Remy some advice, some encouragement. And I saw what he was really doing. It was really for Remy to find out who he, was, who he really was called to be, who Remy was to be. One of his things was, anyone can cook. Anyone can do this. And um, he was teaching that to this rat. He was teaching that to Remy. But what he was really doing was, he was going to use this little Remy rat to really touch this other gentleman called Linguini. If you saw him, the little skinny, scrawny dude there, blindfolded, which eventually we find out later on. If you've never seen it, sorry, I'm going to give you a spoiler. You could cover your ears. Eventually, that's Gaston's son. And his business is about to go um, out of business, actually. His restaurant is going to go out of business. It's a mess. There's someone in there that doesn't have um, the best interest for it. And he knows that the only way to save it is if his son recognizes who he is and begins to walk in what he's called to do. It's amazing. It's it's actually a cool movie. I mean, you could really see a lot of biblical meaning behind it. And he really wanted his son... To find who he was. And in one of the scenes, Gastos tells this rat, Remy, this amazing truth. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Many of you guys received a text message from me because it spoke to me. And I said, I'm going to preach this soon at church. And look what he says. He says, if you focus on what you left behind, you'll never see what lies ahead. That's good. If you focus on what you left behind, you'll never see what lies ahead. There's a great message in that quote, and I believe that this legend, Chef, had a lot of wisdom. We see that in this movie. But I see what he's saying here, that if you continue to live in your past, how will you ever find your identity to lead you in your future? I get what he's telling him here, and I believe this, that there is no way that we will fully live in our identity in Christ if our focus rests heavily in our past. How many of you could say amen? If I continue to live in the past and I continue to think upon the past or my past failures or regrets or whatever it might be that my past may look like, how will you ever be able to fully embrace what's ahead of you? And to show who Christ is through your life. Paul, we've read this verse, we've spoken this verse. In a second, I'm going to read it from a different translation, more of a commentary. But look what Paul says in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Just so that you could remember, I'll repeat it to you. It says this, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Amen. And then he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read it from a a different um, manner of, of translation, and it's the message. Look what he says. I'm going to read 12 through 21. Skip a few verses. Look at this. He says, I'm not saying that I have it all together. Anyone with me? I'm not saying that I have it all together. That I have not made. But look what he says next. But I am well on my way. I like that verse. I like it. Because I'm not saying that everything's good. And I'm not saying that I've made it. And I'm not saying that it's all together. But I love that there's that, there's that next phrase at the end. And he says, but man, I'm well on my way to getting better. You know, it's that whole thing about I'm not who I was yesterday. You know what I am? I'm not today who I was yesterday, and tomorrow I don't plan to be who I am today. It, it's a constant change. It's, it's the process of, as we know it in biblical terms, that sanctification. It's that glory to glory. And Paul understands, like, I haven't made it. I haven't reached my utopia, whatever you want to call it. But, man, I'm well on my way. And I think that there's, forget that, man. All of us in here should agree with this. Haven't made it. Haven't had it all. To, I don't have it all together, but I'm well on my way. And look what he says: reaching out for Christ. So he figures where he's got to make it to, right? Who has so wondrously reached out for me, friends? Don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. That's good to hear. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Say, I'm not turning back. That's just a good phrase. I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back. And then he says, so let's keep focused on that goal. And those of us who want everything that God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. And then I end with these two verses, 20 and 21. He says it this way. But there is far more to life for us. Man, if we could just let that sink in. There is far more to life for me. Look what he says. We are citizens of high heaven. We are waiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master Jesus Christ. Who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. And he will what? Make us beautiful and whole. With the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. What an amazing way of translating that. Eugene Peterson, that's his name. He's wrote it in that manner. Big fan of Eugene Peterson. And I read this and I literally just wrote this just like this in my notes. Come on. I may not have it all together, but after reading this segment of verses, I am definitely well on my way. And as a church and as a people and as those living in the faith like Linguini there with the rat on his head. We go forward. We aim to what lies ahead. And Paul gives us what this looks like because Christ went forward in his plan for us. Have you ever thought about that? Christ went forward with the plan. He could have stopped it. In the throne, he could have been like, you know what, Father, I think we uh, made a mistake. We should change our mind on some of this stuff. But instead, he went forward in his plan for me. And now I'm called to go forward in his plan for my life. And that should be us, that our eye, look what Paul is saying here, that our eye is on the goal, is on what lies ahead. Forgetting what we've left behind and focus, or the ESV says, straining forward to what lies ahead. And I love what Eugene Peterson says, there is far more to life for us. You could write that down because sometimes you need a reminder when you look back in your notes. There is far more life for me. Ever felt like, what's, what else does life like? What else can I offer? Or where else does God have me? Like, you could just repeat that to yourself in your heart right now. There is far more life for me. Can you believe that for yourself today? And then he goes on. He says, well, what does it look like? Here it is. How many of you could say amen to this? Ready? Heaven is home. Oh, man. Heck, yeah, there's far more life. Heaven is home. Then he says, what? Our Savior is awaited. We're waiting for that glorious day. <laughs> Amen. I'm waiting for my Savior. Heaven is home. I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for Jesus to come. Number three, he says what? Paul says, these bodies, oh, they're going to be changed into his glory. Most of us live our whole lives trying to change our bodies. And God's like, i change it in my, in my glory. Amen. These bodies will be changed into his glorious image. And then the fourth one, it says what? He makes us beautiful and whole. Thank God he makes me whole. How many of you feel at times so incomplete? And God says, yeah, but I make you whole, wholeness, found in the one who's coming for us. That's amazing. And I hope we get this today, that there's far more to life for us. So I repeat, that if we focus on what we left behind, we'll never see what lies ahead. How many of you could say amen? And you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have struggled with this? A constant battle with what's behind A constant battle with what you've left. Constant battle which you've actually been strengthened to walk away from. But yet sometimes we tend to look back at it so often. It's an amazing quote. And then I love how it says, man, I might not have it all together, but at least I'm well on my way that means so much to today's message as I introduce this. Because if I'm going to reach what lies ahead, don't miss this new life. It's got to be and it's only with the identity that I have in Christ. You should know that and you should write that. If I'm going to reach what lies ahead without my Christ identity, it's not going to be reached. It's only with the identity that is found in Jesus Not with the identity or not with that which identifies with my past. How many of you have ever been in a conversation, have ever been in a room with people or just in your own thoughts and there's a constant past that continues to struggle with your present and that past tries to tell you that that's who you are? I can relate to you. And what a beautiful message, what a beautiful word today that the Lord is saying, right. And those are not things that we identify with. If we're going to go on in the future, what identifies us is Christ, not the things from the past. I love what Paul tells the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. Listen to these words. It says, he has identified us. Someone say, he has identified me. as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that he has promised us. He has identified with me as his own. He's carried me into his own. My identity, Paul says, is now with him through the work of the Holy Spirit in my heart. And I, and I look at this passage that Paul speaks to the church of Corinth, and I recognize that in my life, and I'm sure in your life, by the way you've raised your hands today, that we do tend to focus on our past. And God has stirred my heart with the story in the Old Testament. And I want to make sure I'm clear with this story because I asked myself this question, at least for me personally, why do we or why do I tend to continue to what? To focus on my past. You want to know what the answer that came up on the surface was? Here's the surfaced answer. Ready? Because of the fear of what the future may bring. (laughs) Because of the fear of of something that that I might not have control of. And we looked at that clip. And here is this little mouse, little rat, whatever he is. And he's leading Linguini to betterness. But man, it was a process. And man... Did he have to trust that which was leading him? And with us, man, is it a process? And do we got to get to a point where we need to trust that which is leading us? Anyone can say amen? So I want to talk to you a little bit about Moses. I mean, Moses was, was a great example in this. And God just stirred Moses in my heart. God's encounter with Moses through the burning bush is an interesting one. We're in Exodus 3 and Exodus 4 for your studying time throughout the week. And it was 40 years, if you're taking notes, it's been 40 years since Moses had seen Egypt. I, I want you just to pause on that for a moment. 40 years since Moses had been back home pretty much. That's where he was, that's where he was raised. That's, I mean, he wasn't born there, but he was raised there. That's, he was born in a palace, raised in a palace there, treated as a prince there. Um, you could just imagine when he walked down the roads, people moved out of his way. When he went to a restaurant, the bill was covered. I mean, Moses had it made. He was a son of Pharaoh. And for 40 years now, he's been a shepherd in the mountains. And I want you to remember what happened with Moses. He One day he's walking down the streets, and as he's walking, he sees two men fighting. When he gets close to them, he recognizes that one is a Hebrew just like him, and the other one is Egyptian, to the family that's kind of adopted him in. And he sees them fighting, and he goes to protect the Hebrew, and what he does is he he fights, and he ends up killing the Egyptian. And now he recognizes, oh no, they're after me now, they're going to kill me, and he has to scatter, he needs to run away from Egypt because he knew that Pharaoh was going to put a warrant on him. So he spends 40 years in the mountains, 40 years out of Egypt, and he ends up for a living for those 40 years being a shepherd in the mountain area. I mean, you went from a prince, you ring a bell, and everything's given to you. And now you are a shepherd. You're fighting animals that try to attack your sheep. You're out in the hot sun the climate and the temperature, the terrain. When everything was well, now you're working hard for it. Now, can we be honest? After experiencing such luxuries in Egypt and now going through such hardships as a shepherd in the mountains, how do you think his conversations with himself were? Come on, let's just be honest. You think he's like, I'm so happy. God is so good. Look where he's brought me to. From Egypt, I was a prince. And now I'm shepherding in mountains. I doubt it. I really want you to think about his thoughts. The thoughts that he had. The conversations he had with himself. The crying out to the Lord. Probably sounded something like, Lord, if there is a Lord, if there is this God that my mother and my sister and my family used to tell me about. This God that... That helps the Hebrew people. Look at my life and turn of events and look where I'm at today. I'm sure he, he said that many times to the heavens. Oh, if there is this God up there, why am I the way I am right now down here? Imagine that. And then he's walking and there's a bush that's on fire, but yet it's not being burnt up. And out of that bush comes out a voice. It says Moses and he's like, there's no way this bush is talking to me. And he begins to dialogue with this bush. And next thing you know, God's speaking through the bush. He tells him to take off his sandals. You're standing on holy ground. I'm about to transform your life forever. And in the midst of this conversation, some neat things happen. I mean, he's carrying a staff because he's a shepherd. He's got to knock the sheep out every once in a while. And, And he says, drop it. And it turns into a serpent. Pick it up. It turns into a staff. I still can't do it, Lord. He says, put your hand in your cloak. Take it out. It's leprous. Leprosy was a horrible disease in those days. Bring it back in. Now it's healed. I mean, thing after thing, God was showing him, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to do something. And then God calls him to what he's to do. Ready? Watch this, guys. Moses, go back to Egypt. Go back to Egypt. I'm going to stop there because I'm going to read the quote because it almost doesn't make sense, right? If you focus on what you've left behind, you'll never see what lies ahead. Moses go back to Egypt but I thought you told me to what to focus on what lies ahead why would you tell me to go to what lies behind Moses go back to Egypt that, that, that right there should just sink into your heart have you ever asked that question obviously your answer would probably be what oh, he needs to free the Hebrew people out of Egypt that's the obvious answer but how about if it's deeper than just the Hebrew people go back to Egypt never thought of this go back to Egypt listen to what I'm about to tell you Moses has to go back and confront confront what has feared him his whole life Egypt Pharaoh fear go back to it that's crazy Well, how do you know that? Well, I know that because there's verses to show you. Uh, I'll give you an example. When he's having a conversation with God in verse 1, you know what he tells God? I mean, first off, listen to me, listen to me. I don't know how you would react, but there's a a bush that's on fire that's not burning. And then there's a voice that speaks to you to that bush. And he finds strength to still talk back to that voice and to that bush and say, well, I don't know about that plan. I don't know. I can't judge Moses because I've never been in Moses' situation. I've never seen a bush on fire speak through me through a voice and tell me what to do. I don't know what I do, but I'm I'm hoping that the last thing I will do is like, well, let me give you a couple reasons why I think your plan is wrong. Actually, Moses, have you ever uh, burned a bush and yet not allow it to catch on fire and then miraculously let the Spirit of God speak to it? No, I haven't. So then just shut up and listen to it. So I want you to really see, I'm going to go through three verses to prove to you that he was struggling. Look at verse 1 in Exodus chapter 4. You know what Moses tells God? Here it is. Ready? What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Like if I was God right there, like, I'm talking to you through a burning bush. It's unexplainable. And you're going to tell me that you're worried about people not believing that I've actually appeared to you. You ever have family members that just don't believe this whole faith thing that's happened in your life? They just think you're a whack job and they just think that this is not real? Come on. Imagine Moses going to, hey, I spoke to God and who are you? And how do I know that God even appeared to you? You know, when we invite our families to church, you should come to church, man. How do you even know God is real? The second example that I know that Moses was struggling, look at verse 10 in chapter 4. God is doing the whole um, staff into a serpent, serpent into a staff thing. And in verse 10, Moses pleads with the Lord and he says, oh Lord, oh Lord. There's another thing that I have to question you about. Ready? I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm I'm not now, that's for sure. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. You've ever said that before? Lord, you, you, you can't have me do that because I don't know what to ever say in front of people. And God's like, it's exactly what I want. So his second excuse was, number one was, well, no one's going to listen to me. What happens if they don't believe me, that you ever even appear to me. The second one is, okay, let's say they do. I don't know what to say to them because I'm not good with my words. And I've never been good with my words. I get tangled up, Lord. You know, I have a speech impediment. And then, like if that's not enough, he comes in and he rings the bell and he gives his one last Final answer, or or, or or correction, or input to what the Lord wants to do. Verse thirteen. Then they're going back and forth, and God is doing this miraculous signs with leprosy, and then healing, and then a snake, and then a staff again, and then the last thing that Moses says is, "Lord, please send anyone else, someone else but me." He couldn't come up with any more excuses. Because God had an answer for every single one of his questions. Remember two weeks ago, whenever God asks you questions, please consider that he already knows the answer to all of those questions. So what happens? He already had an answer to when the people don't believe in him and when the Lord, when they say, how do I know? He appeared to you. The Lord already had an answer for that. He already had an answer for when Moses was tangled up and didn't know what to say. He already had an answer for that. So Moses finds himself trapped and he says, well, Lord, here's my final plea. Send someone else, anyone but me. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed that. (laughs) Lord, just just anyone but me, Lord. I'm done. And God's like, I'm glad you think so. Because I'm not. Have you ever considered that God's not done with you? Whatever, let's just keep going. You see, I believe this. Please listen, because this is my message. I believe Moses and God, what was happening there. I believe God wasn't sending Moses back to Egypt so that he could focus on what he left behind. I don't believe that at all. I believe Moses for the last 40 years, this is what I believe. I believe he was still identifying himself with the person that he left in Egypt. He still identified himself with the thing that has conquered him his whole life. He still identified himself with the thing that has disabled him, the thing that has crippled him, crippled him with fear. So when God comes knocking at the door, Moses, go back to Egypt, it's not so that you could focus on your past, but it's that you could confront your fear. And so that you could confront it finally, Moses. Confront your fear with faith. Confronting your fear with faith is totally different than just confronting your fear at all. You could confront it in your own wisdom, in your own strength, in your own knowledge. But when you confront fear with faith, that's when the miraculous happens. That's when God is what He's got, God is calling Moses to do. I believe that. I believe that because Moses. We see that through those three complaints, he's still identifying himself with what he left behind. So now God calls him to go back to Egypt, but back now to confront a fear and confront his fear that would then give him an identity in God to then finally lead him to what lies ahead. You see, listen, listen. Moses would never be able to take the Hebrew people into the promised land if his whole life is still stuck on the life that he left in Egypt. You understand that? God was like, I have a promised land for you. Okay, let's go that direction. He's like, you can't. You got to go back and you got to what? Deal with fear in your faith. And let the people see that. I mean, I should have brought a staff today. You know that? I should have brought a piece of wood today. But can you imagine, pretend this is my staff. Can you imagine standing before a body of water and you're like, seriously like imagine what's going on with Moses here because Moses sucked it up a lot within those times in the wilderness but can you imagine you're running you're running and you see the 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 smoke from the ground or the dust from the ground rising because you see that Pharaoh and his chariots are following you and you're running and then you get to a point where you hit a cliff and you recognize yeah we're done because behind us is our enemy. In front of us is a massive body of water, and there's no way I could take this massive crowd of people through this water. We're going to drown. It's impossible. We won't reach it over, and out of nowhere, God's like, I want you to do something. He's like, what do you want us to do? It's impossible. You can't raise your staff. Lord, raise your staff. Now, can you imagine being in front of I mean, there's always a debate whether it was 3 million, whether it was 2 million, whether it was 100,000 of the Hebrew people that he was freeing. But, But watch this. Can you imagine? I don't care if it's 10 people behind me or 3 million people behind me. Can you imagine? Moses, what are you doing? Just stay put. But what are you doing? Just stay right there. I would be like, just say a little prayer. Actually, say a big prayer. Okay? And he stands before the body of water. He's like, let's see if this works. Can you just imagine how foolish that looks? Like, some of of you guys make fun of me for, for worse things than that. Some of us make fun of church people for worse things than that. Believers and people of the faith for worse things than that. Can you imagine if some of us were back here... What an idiot. Moses has lost his mind. We're following the wrong guy. This guy doesn't hear from God. This guy's a lunatic. Oh, my God. I can't believe we fell for this and we bit this bait. We're all going to die by the sword of Pharaoh. We were better off as slaves in Egypt. Why do we follow him? And now this fool is lifting up his wooden staff and he's talking to the water. But out of nowhere, there's a sound that begins to erupt. Water begins to move. And out of nowhere, it begins to part. Can you imagine, Moses? Whew. Thank God and he hasn't turned around yet he's just looking and it's starting to break and now he looks around I wonder what Moses did how you like me now <laughs> but you know I, I think about Moses parting that and I think that that right there is a whole preaching of fear and faith the fear of the water we've been talking about jumping in the water the fear that that brings to jump in the water but the faith But the faith that needs to interrupt that fear to allow you to finally go in, to take you to the place that God wants you to be. I don't know if you got that. You call him back to Egypt, go to what lies ahead. Think about what Moses is. He's just a shepherd who's a murderer who's wanted. That's all he is. He's just a shepherd who's a murderer who's wanted. Can you say that with me? Shepherd murderer, wanted. But what was God going to call him for? Leader, prophet, and what? Savior. That's crazy. Here is Moses. He was going to be a leader, a prophet, a savior to the Hebrew people, taking them to their promised land. And all he knows in his life for the last 40 years was shepherd, murderer, and I'm wanted. So I got to hide in these mountains. And God's like, yeah, you see, though you see yourself as a failure, and though you see yourself just as a shepherd, and though you see yourself just as wanted to be killed, and just as you see yourself just as nothing out here in the wasteland, what you don't know is that I see you different. You are actually a leader. You are actually going to be called the prophet of the Hebrew people, and I'm calling you to be a savior. You are a picture of the Old Testament who my son, Jesus Christ, will be in the New Testament. You're more they just a shepherd that is complaining about his past for 40 years. You are nothing else but a leader, but a prophet and a savior. Can you go back to Egypt? Can you confront your fear? And can you activate some faith in your life? Because the only way 3 million people will follow you forward is if they see that they have a leader who functions in faith. Get some faith in you. Confront your fear. Get some faith in you and and go back to that which has conquered you, disabled you, crippled you with this fear. I heard one pastor say it this week this way. Faith doesn't eliminate fear. It enables you to handle it. That's wild. Because here we are. We're reaching for greater things. We're reaching for the ultimate goal. We just read that from Paul's letter. We're reaching for glory in Christ Jesus. But maybe there is a fear that hasn't gone away yet in our lives. Huh? There's fears in my life that hasn't gone away yet. And there's no way that you could tell me that I'm not with the Lord. Because I know I'm with the Lord. How many of you know you're with the Lord, but yet you still struggle with the fear? So there's no way that you're going to be able to debate this with me. I know that for a fact. And maybe there is this fear in our lives that hasn't gone away. But I know, listen to me, church. I know that there is a faith that will enable us to handle that fear. And yes, I may not have it all together, but come on, you can say it with me now, right? But I sure am on my way. I am well on my way. There might still be some fears, but I'm on my way to handle those fears. Who do you think you are? I'm walking in a faith. So, Lord, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? Lord, I'm not very good at it with words Lord. Please send anyone else. Moses, your fear only becomes faith when you handle it. Get going, mo. Let go. Turn to faith. Yes, you don't have it all together. But Moses, get on your way. So what has us? What has me? And I could ask you personally, what has you? Focusing on past things, on things that you've left behind. With all love, all I could say is this. Come on, you'll never see what lies ahead if you continue to live in that which you've left behind. There's got to be a faith in you that recognizes there's greater things ahead. Because Christ is before us. Is he not? Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Your faith can heal what's crippled you. Your faith can equip you for the impossible. And your faith can move you the right direction again when all you've done is wandered. 40 years Moses, that's nothing. Come on, go back to Egypt. Watch what i to show you. New life, your faith can handle your fear. You're on your way. You should look at someone and just tell them, I'm on my way. Maybe they'll believe you. Some of you guys are scared to look at that person next to you because you know they're going to hold you accountable. It's all right. I'm on my way, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. What is it in our lives? Maybe we're resisting change. Has anyone ever felt that, that tug from the Lord, that something has to change, but yet we're not obedient to fixing those things and changing those things? No one's ever felt that? Maybe in our lives there's a resisting change. There's some things that just, I got to take some steps of faith forward, though. I might not know what might come, but there's got to be some change and I can't resist it anymore. Another thing that God spoke to my heart was this, because I've heard so many people say this. What is it in our lives? What is it in our lives that has us focused on what we've left behind? Is it this? Do you continue to claim that things were better in the past? Have you done that? That's not biblical ways of thinking. Let me tell you something. Remember the children of Israel? Since we're talking about Moses, just just stay to context. Ready? Remember the children of Israel? Guys, they have scars on their backs from the beatings of being slaves. Okay? They're now free people in the wilderness. Free people. I mean, all they have to do is pray and God gives them bread from heaven. Like, how hard is it? But, I mean... What we learn about the wilderness is this, that they were free physically, but they were still bound mentally. Have you ever studied that? They're in the wilderness, and as they're in the wilderness, what do they tell Moses? We were better off in Egypt. And Moses is like, how, can, how did you come up with that conclusion? You cry for bread, and you open your tent, and there's bread from heaven. God prepares bread for you. Breakfast and bread in bed. I slapped a rock with my anger and God is still faithful to pour water from there when you were thirsty and he gave you to drink. You're free. You could actually walk around the camp whenever and as often as you want. No one's going to hit you with a whip and tell you to build something. You're free right now. And yet mentally, you think you're better back in Egypt? Where'd Where'd you get that conclusion from? Where'd you get that from? And many people have recognized this in their walk with the Lord. They go on saying things like, Things were just so much better back then. But if you know Christ today and his blessings are new every morning, how dare we say that his blessings this morning are not as good as the blessings we received five years ago? Oh, man, there's no biblical explanation on that. Is anyone with me? So uh, how many of us have said things like that? Well, it was just better in the past. When? When things were done illegally? <laughs> when? When things were done out of wedlock? When? When things were done outside of marriage? Like, when? When things were done? Like, think about all the ways you could define that. Things were better in the past? Wait a minute. Do you know God? In your present, because things should be so much better today. You should be in a much better place today. Why? We're one day closer to his glory. We're one day closer to his coming. We're one day closer to heaven. And man, I've entered a new blessing for this day. There's no way that the past can be better. There's no way that I can continue to resist change. There's no way that I can't get to a place where I confront my fears. i got to start to walk and live in this faith and I'm telling every single one of us here today this, that looking forward in faith, I promise you this, you're going to enjoy a better present. Most people that are not enjoying life today is because they're not living in a faith today And they fear and they worry and they complain and they doubt and they struggle. But when you wake up in the morning, oh, I have no idea how we're going to make ends meet. but I've known this for the 30, 40, 50 something years of my life that God, not one day in my life has ever failed me. When you wake up with that kind of faith, rather than saying, I have no, listen, there is a different kind of mentality. We can wake up, man, as a what? As a victor's mentality, or we can wake up as a what? Defeated mentality. When we wake up and recognize, I can't believe that I'm 35, 45, 55, 70, and God yet still holds me in his hand, rather than saying, oh my goodness, I have no idea how I'm going to make ends meet today. We've already been conquered by fear. And that's that's a mindset. It's something that we come to church, we're involved, we believe in Christ, we do devotionals, we read the word, we even pop in a worship CD in our cars when we're traveling long distance. But when we wake up in the morning, how many of you could agree with me, we're struggling with fears. And God's like, stop focusing on those things. Confront them. Build up some faith and look at what lies ahead. you worried for the same thing yesterday, but you made it the next day. You made it today. How many of you worried for yesterday? How many of you are alive today? So what happens tomorrow? We're going to be here again tomorrow in God's will. We're going to be all right. So here it is. Is there a fear that needs to activate faith in you to confront it? Is there a change that you need to stop resisting? Are there things in your life that you've got to stop saying, oh, man, it was just better back then? Get to know who Christ is today. Forward in faith. Enjoy your today. As I get ready to end, we've read this before, and I want to share it again. In John chapter 21, Peter is called to look forward. Peter is called to strain for the things that are before him. We know that Peter denied Jesus. We talked about that in walk, um, Jump in the Water And one day, Jesus comes, and he makes breakfast for them. And the three questions that you know of, maybe a lot of you know of, and maybe you don't, so I'll read it anyways. Jesus asks Peter three questions after breakfast. And he says, Peter, Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? More than these. And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then he says, well, then feed my lambs. Jesus tells them. In verse 16 of John chapter 21, Jesus repeats the question. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. I said, well, oh, you already twice? And then a third time he asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was so hurt that Jesus had asked this question the third time that he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. So then Jesus says, then feed my sheep. I read that passage, and I get what Jesus is doing. I know he's restoring him. I know he's concreting some things in his life, but I also know what he's doing. I know what he's telling Peter. I know you see yourself as a failure. I know all you're doing right now is what? Comparing yourself to the past and what you did. I heard you. You did deny me three times, but that's not your identity. You know who? You know what your identity is? You're a pastor among sheep now. Go feed the sheep. You're called to lead, Peter. Peter. You're not the person that I saw in the courtyard that denied me three times. And by the way, great usage of profanity in those three denials. You're not one of those. I see you different, Peter. Go feed my sheep. How many of you, that's you. And God's like, I know what you've done. You're going to hide it? But that's not who you are. Stop identifying yourself with a failure and move forward in the faith that I've given you. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter could have said, Oh well, Lord, I've already messed up so many times. There's no way you could use me anymore. Been there? Lord. Every time I use my words, I stick my foot in my mouth. Been there? It's Peter. Lord, use, use my brother. Use Andrew. Don't use me. Been there? But God divinely personally looks at Peter and says, nope, it's you. Go feed my sheep. Go ahead, move. Move in faith. Don't focus on what you've left behind, Peter. That stayed in the courtyard. I heard your tears of forgiveness. I've seen that. Go feed my sheep. There's something else that lies ahead. I end with this passage. Passage that we're very accustomed to here. And it's the cost of following Jesus. If you're taking notes, the cost of following Jesus. And he tells his followers a story, and he says this. They were walking along. Someone says to Jesus, look, look, look at this outcome of events that takes place here. And he says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus looks at him and says, um, foxes have dens to live, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. You sure you're going to follow me? He said to another person, come and follow me. And this man agreed and he says, Lord, first let me go home and let me bury my dad. You know, my father passed away. Let me go take care of him. And Jesus says... Let the spiritual or spiritually dead bury their own, but your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Don't look back. There's something forward to look forward to. Just go. What lies ahead? And then another said, Lord, I, I will follow you, but let me say goodbye to my family. You know, I got kids at home. I got a wife. She's going to be asking why I've been gone for so many days. And then Jesus says, listen, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. of God. I, I mean, I didn't talk to you about Lot's wife today. I didn't talk to you. I wanted to stick on Moses. Anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I love how the Amplified Bible says this. Listen to this. But Jesus says to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. So all I could say is, church, we're not called to focus on what has been left behind. But to see what lies ahead. That our faith will handle our fears. Because for some of us, it's not just fear. It's fears. That our faith would handle our fear. And that we would say, hey, I might not have it all together, but I am well on my way. Today's message is titled, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I'm well on my way. And you to so stand with me. As we get ready to close, how many of you, if not all of you, can relate to this word? And today you say, Lord, I recognize what Paul has said. I see the life of Moses. And I see in myself that I don't have it all together. But Lord, I know you're giving me the strength and the faith, I know you're giving me that push. That though I don't have it together, I have a faith to say, well, at least I'm on my way. I pray that everyone in this church starting today will handle their fears with their faith. That they would not turn their back on change, but embrace the change. That they would not call the past as better days that they could see that in you in this faith better days await them Lord we're on our way I know we still have some work to do I know we still need some grace that's for sure but we are well on our way so Lord touch every heart that's here bless every heart that's here with every eye closed as you examine your heart Maybe you're someone here and this just really tugged you in a different way. And I'm sure this touched us, all of us, in a similar way. But you're like, I just need prayer in my life. I I just need someone to come and believe alongside with me. If that's anyone here, right there where you're at, can you just raise your hand and say, I need someone to believe with me. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'll tell you what. Raise your hand I'm I raise my hand with you let's sing a song for a minute or so I'm gonna come to the bottom if you raised your hand come with me and I want to pray for you but listen but I want you to pray for me because I'm on my way just like you're on your way and I need prayer just like you need prayer and I want you to pray Lord help help Rigo handle his fears with your faith with his faith so if that was you there was a few of you that said that was me I I really need someone just to believe with me. I'm going to invite you up here to pray alongside with me. And everyone else just get into worship and say, Lord, deal with these areas. But come up and pray with me. If that was you.